The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. If you got your Bibles this morning, open up to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Lord, just really laid on my heart. Uh, I'm not much of the series kind of person, but on, uh, but but this series about nothing but the blood and what all that means and how God has used the blood of Jesus and what it has done for us, His people and His children who come under the blood, who have faith in Christ, and how that has impacted our lives today. First Peter chapter one. Uh, today we're going to look at redemption. What has the blood of Jesus done for us? He has redeemed us. And that word redemption means a whole lot. It packs a whole lot. My hope is that in these coming days, God would just open up our hearts and our minds to really understand maybe more, maybe than than ever before, the impact that the blood of Christ has made in our lives today. And one of those most certainly is that He has redeemed us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. John MacArthur made a statement about redemption. He said, it's the wonder, this passage, the wonder of redemption. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from, uh, uh, from the feudal way of life you inherited, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb unblemished, spotless, the blood of Jesus. The old Puritan Thomas Watson rightly observed that redemption was God's greatest work. Commenting on this, he said, the great work of creation but the greater work of redemption. It, was the, it cost more to redeem us than to make us. In one, in the creation, it was just the speaking of the word, yet in the other, it was the shedding of His own blood. Redemption is a term that describes one of the essential features of our salvation in Christ. Specifically, it deals with the cost or the means of payment received by God for the cost of our sins. The, the reality is that we people, all people have sinned. Yes, we understand that, but we're helpless and we're enslaved to sin, condemned by the law. If you want to live by the law, it's condemned by the law. But we're only forgiven and reconciled to God. How? Because He had to purchase us back from our condition. Only then can we be released from sin's bondage and curse. This word redeemed, we see in this passage, that we're redeemed uh, through the precious blood of Jesus that word redeemed literally means to purchase or release by paying a ransom. To deliver a payment of a price. Uh, the Greeks used this word in the New Testament in the first century as buying back a prisoner of war. But rather so much, not so much as that's in Peter's mind, but he had in, in Peter's mind, no doubt, he had what we would see in what we call the Old Testament. Redemption passages. The first thing I want to share with us this morning is the history of this whole idea of redemption, of being redeemed. And we have to go back to Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. And I know there's several scriptures here, but I need us to go back to Exodus chapter 12. Whether you're in your Bible, you want to turn back with me if you can. 
or follow along with me this morning. I got to get there. Hold on a second. Hold on. I don't have one of those digital Bibles up here. Let's see. Eggs, I got to turn there. Hold on. I'm getting there. You know, my Bible's like a purse. I think I've told you. I think things are falling out of my purse right now. Here we go. Hold on. It's crazy. It's crazy. Thank goodness I got a podium. Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to get there in just a moment. Hold on. Stay with me, church. Exodus chapter 12. All right, so in the Word of God, the Passover, this no doubt was in the heart of Peter's mind when thinking about the redemption, the price that God paid. Uh, Exodus 12, verses 1 through 13, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, he said, this month be the first month, the first month of the year, tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of each month, uh, of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each of the household. If any household is too small, then they were going to join together with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people they are there. You are determined the amount of the lamb needed in accordance to what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be uh, year-old males without defect, and you must take them from sheep or from goats. Take care of them until the 14th day, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. And then they are to take some of the blood, put it on the sides and the tops and the door frames of the homes of which they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs made with bread, uh, bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roast it over the fire, every part of it. Do not leave any until morning. If some is left, it must burn up. This is how you're to eat it. With your cloak tucked, your belt, your sandals, your feet, your staff in your hand, eat in haste. It is the Lord's interesting Passover. On that night, I will pass through, the Lord says, Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animal, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you in the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This was the Lord's Passover. No doubt in this passage that I just read out of 1 Peter, this is on Peter's heart when he's beginning to think about the, how, how the God's people are redeemed from this empty way of life. This is in the forefront of his mind is the Passover. I just remind you, church, it was during the Passover in the first century when the Lord was crucified. I just remind you of this because this is what the Lord, uh, uh, John said in John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There was a, there was a, a, a price that had to be paid, and this Passover, this event in history, was what Peter had in mind when he was thinking about the way that we're redeemed uh, uh, through the blood of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul makes this statement when they think about the first century church. He said, get rid of the old yeast, right? He says, so that you may have a new unleavened batch as you really are. He, and he says this, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. No doubt in the first century, they understood the rich heritage and the history of the Passover, the, the cost, the price that had to be paid for them. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, the scripture reads, but when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater, more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood and goats and calves, but he entered uh, the holy place by his own blood, thus obtaining an eternal salvation. 
Man, there is a rich history in your Bible and what we call the Old Testament in the first century uh, and in throughout Christian heritage and history of the price that was paid for the redemption of our souls. There had to be a price. The Bible is really clear. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And and yes, this is the day. Some of you today, if you're a non-Christian today, you come up in here and you're thinking, man, what is all this talk about the blood? About the blood of Jesus. You might be thinking a little weird. You're like, what in the world are they talking about? Well, the truth is, there had to be a price paid. There was a sacrifice given for your sin. And yes, your sin brings a high cost. There's a high cost. That's the second thing. Not only there's a rich history, but there is a cost that has to be paid. In Psalm 49, verses 7 and 8, the scripture says, No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom of life is costly. No payment is ever enough. That's a beautiful passage, two verses there. And the truth is, it is too high of a cost. There's nothing we can do to pay the price, to satisfy the debt that had to be owed, the payment that had to be rendered for our sin. There is nothing we can do. In fact, the scripture says, it, he said, you were not redeemed uh, by what? Silver or gold. In that day in the first century, and maybe even still today, silver and gold was the highest uh, valuable commodity that could be traded. One of the highest. And it would have been seen in multiple places. Most certainly they would have known it in the history. It would have been seen in ornate places, even in the temple. But the truth is, even silver, it doesn't matter how much gold you have. Let me put it in our terms. I don't care how big of an IRA you got at the house or in your account, how much money you make or what you have, what you live, doesn't matter. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that you can give that is adequate, adequate for our sin before a holy God. Yet, but the blood of Jesus alone. I mean, I mean we, we sang about it this morning, nothing but the blood. Friend, I want to I tell you, there's a high cost on ourselves. That had to be paid. We know this. We know the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 3 and 4. But those sacrifices talking about the sacrifices given at the temple are annual reminders of sin. They knew that even in their history. What we just read in the original Passover. They did that every year. Every year. Every year. Why? Because it was never sufficient. The Bible says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. There's no ritual, there's no shedding of blood that will last forever. Yet, the blood of Jesus that was shed for me and you. The, the precious, beautiful, spotless Lamb of God that was slain, as John the Baptist said, for the sins of the world. The high cost that had to be paid. And I say that. I, I don't know if we really embrace that enough. The price that was paid for me and you for our eternity. To be reconciled back to God. Not once now, but forevermore. It really leaves us, I mean, if you're really honest, there's nothing I can do on my own. Nothing I can generate, nothing I can produce that would allow God to say, okay, your sins are forgiven. There's nothing. You know, there was an old statement given years ago. What are you going to say when you get before God when you're in heaven? You know, well, how, how do you think the Lord's going to allow you to enter into heaven? I mean, that's, you know, a little statement said long ago. There's nothing you're going to say. Friend, hear me on this. Friend, listen to me. Just because you might be religious and come into the house of the Lord often or serve. I mean, I'm, those are beautiful things. But if that's your understanding of payment for the sin that you have before a holy God, you will fall short. There is only one way, only, please hear me, one way, and it's not coming to Flint Hill. 
I want you to come to Flint Hill. That's great. It's only through the blood of Christ. I know I'm going to say this over and over again. It's through Him. He redeemed you. He paid the price for our sin. And when we talk about coming under the blood of Christ, it's by faith in Jesus, in His death, and yes, His resurrection. It is only in Him and Him alone. Jesus stood before the crowd on that day and He said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. There is no way you're going to make it to the Father except through Him and Him alone. Let me put it this way. There's no way to know forgiveness of sin and the assurance of heaven. Friend, if you're here today and you're wrestling on the inside of your life right now and you're trying to figure out what is that void, I can tell you what that void is. God created you to know Him. But when sin came in, it created this this, this distance, this barrier, this hindrance. But thanks be to God, God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, and He came and died on that cross in our place. It leads me to my third thing here, this statement about redemption. There had to be this reckoning of sin. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Scripture says this, He, God, made Him who uh, knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That means Christ, so that we might become the righteousness of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, the, Paul speaks about this spiritual truth. It's, a, it's something we need to hang on to. There had to be a reckoning of sin. God had to make him who had no sin to be sin for us. The word here is imputed, not imparted. In other words, he imputed the guilt of sin to Christ on the cross. He didn't impart sin personally. No, he was the lamb, the, the lamb that was slain. He was pure. Totally, completely free from any taintedness of sin. Yet, he was uh, what imputed with the guilt of sinners. He held upon himself. It was given to him on the cross. Our sin. It was our sin. I mean, let me get real personal. It was JJ. My sin. My unbelief that drove him to the cross. And you say, what? All many, yes, many years ago, the Bible says that even before this creation of the heavens and the earth, He knew me by name. And the same is true for me and you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, when we think about the redemption, the price that was paid, God imputed to Him, reckoned to Him this guilt. He assigned to Christ the guilt of all sinners. Everyone who would come to Him, that guilt was unleashed on Christ on the cross. He took it upon Himself. He took it upon Himself, this guilt. It had to be reckoned unto Him. Let me, let me just say, praise be to God today. Friend, the most, the most difficult place to be if, is any person today and your sin has not been reckoned unto Christ. That means you still stand with your sin today before a holy God. And it is only going to be through the blood of Jesus Christ that any of us will be able to be reconciled to Him, to have the forgiveness of sin and the assurance of heaven. It really is a remarkable statement saying that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. It's a beautiful thing, a beautiful picture. The perfect Lamb of God. John the Baptist had it right. He was, he was, he was going to be slain, right, for the sins of the world. He was going to take upon that sin, take it upon himself, and take it to the cross. Literally, we were the ones responsible for it. We were the ones that should have paid the price. But it was never sufficient. And God knew that. God knew that. 
even before the creation of this world. I mean, listen, what happened in the garden didn't catch him by surprise. It was a redemption of the souls of men and women and boys and girls today that he had on his heart and in his mind when he set things in motion long, long time ago. And thanks be to God today that still there is still time today, today, please hear me, to turn to Christ and know him personally, to, to apply the blood of Christ in your heart and soul today. There is still time today to trust in Jesus Christ alone. He is the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb. Many scriptures teach about this taking on the sin. Remember this in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. He said he was what pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He himself, 1 Peter 2, 24, bore our sins in his body on the cross. Hebrews chapter 9, he bore the sins of many. Simply put, MacArthur makes this statement. He said, God treated Christ as if he were a sinner. He imputed the guilt to him and exacted from him full payment for it. His death. The blood that was spilled on Calvary was on our behalf. He bore it. He took it upon himself. God put our guilt into Christ's account and made him pay the penalty. You know, one thing that I'm going to say to you, man, it really is the precious, precious blood of Christ. When we think about the blood of Jesus that was spilt on Calvary, literally his blood was spilt. I don't know if y'all have ever seen uh, the movie that came out a long time ago. My name is it's leaving me. Passion. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate you for helping me with that. I don't know why looking at Randy helped me right there. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I remember when that movie came out. And it's not about a movie, but man, I'm going to tell you what. I can tell you I was up there in Hoover in the movie theater when I saw it for the first time. You know, in totally Hebrew. Now, to my knowledge, it's not an English word written. It's all subtitles. And it's all about the death of Christ and the blood that was spilled. And it's not, well, you know, it was vivid. Quite honestly, most scholars say that it was probably a very adequate demonstration of what really happened to our Savior. Most people died from loss of blood before they even got to the cross. But he didn't. Y'all know the story. I mean, y'all know he carried that cross and he died on it. In fact, you know that. But I'll never forget that day when I was in that movie theater and saw that. I mean, that place was packed and not one person could say a word. It was just silence. I'm talking about when it over, when it ended. You know, it ended, if y'all remember that little scene with the little tomb rolled away and more light coming in. People couldn't move. Can I just be really honest? When we come face to face the reality of what our Savior really did for us on the cross, it leaves us speechless. Why in the world would God endure such brutality of the shedding of His own blood for me and you? There's only one answer. Because he loves you. Some of y'all are listening to me right now. I'm telling you, he loves you with an everlasting love. A love that you don't even have any understanding about right now. But you want that love. You want to know him and his forgiveness. And thanks be to God that right now, right here today, you have the opportunity to know the precious blood of Christ applied to the heart, your heart. As a child of God, maybe it's time for us to remember what Christ has done for us. His blood is precious because it poured out in death and paid a penalty for our sin. We know that. 
And we know that it was from the foundations of the world. We see that even in this text. That it says that he was chosen before the creation of the world and was revealed in these last times. We see that long before what happened in the garden, it was in the heart of God to redeem humans. Me and you. Praise be to God for the redemption of God. But it's also precious because it wasn't just anybody's blood that was spilt on that day. The Bible says that he was revealed in these last days. The word there is be made manifest. What's in the heart of Peter when he writes these scriptures is the incarnation of Christ. When Jesus came, literally when God, what do they call him? I said this the other day in our service yesterday here. They called him Emmanuel, God with us. See, there's only one person that could walk sinless perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And it was God Himself clothing Himself, robing Himself in humanity. Paul makes this statement in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. In fact, in your Bibles, this will be set apart almost like, set, like, a, like a poem. Many scholars think this, think this was sung in the early church. And in this context, he says, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, speaking of Christ, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The blood of Christ is precious for many reasons, make no mistake. But I will tell you this, and we see this in the text already. We see it in the context of the redemption that, 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 that Peter speaks about is what? The resurrection of Christ. Though through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so your faith and hope are in God. The raising of Christ from the dead, his resurrection, is the unmistakable powerful proof that his sacrifice for our sin had accomplished God's redemptive work. That's a fancy word. That means he paid the price and it's done. How do we know it's done? Because he rose from the dead. No longer does his death, hell, have any bondage or binding over him. But he rose victorious. So church, here, here, here we are at this point of the service. When we think about the redemption of Christ and all that Christ has done for us, uh, one or two things is going to happen in our hearts right now this morning. My hope, if you're a child of God, if you know Christ personally, that God would just soften our hearts, maybe to praise him this morning and thank him for the incredible price that he paid. But I might be speaking to some of you here today that have never known, never known the beautiful, wonderful, precious blood of Christ applied to your heart. And friend, I'm, I'm just going to invite you today in just a moment we're going to sing a song. It's called a song of, song of response, a song of invitation. And make it be real clear, if you're here today, please hear me. And you know, you know in your heart, you need Christ personally. You need the blood applied to you, your heart. When we begin to sing, I'm, we're just going to open up this altar. You come. You come. Come to Christ. Now, some of you here, and you know Christ personally, and yet, for whatever reason, you've been somewhere, but now God's called you back home, called to recommit your life to Christ, called to just say, this is where I need to be, this is what God's called me to do, and I want to live for Christ from this day forward. You come. And there may be some of you here today, and you know, you know, you may be like Lily uh, or, or Carson. 
have committed your life to Christ, but you've never followed through believer's baptism. Friend, I'm not here just looking for something. I'm, I'm telling you, look, today's the day to make public your profession of faith in Christ. Today's your day to tell the world, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. The price he paid for me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to be aligned. I want to let the world know that I love him. That I've trusted him as my Lord and Savior. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to sing, and I just want you to come. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, right now. In the precious name of Jesus Christ.